0: Welcome to the Investing Evolution Podcast with Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz from Sun Garden Investment Research. We are an investment firm that takes an alternative approach to the most common investor objectives preservation, income, and long term growth. We focus on bottom line outcomes, not what everyone else is doing. In this podcast, we clarify confusing investor issues, bust investment myths, and discuss how to invest in any investment climate. Our number one goal is to help you think about investing in a different way, a more straightforward way, without all the fluff and sales tactics of the Wall Street culture. Listen in as we share stories and insights on how to offer a truly unique approach to investing. Now, on to the show. Hello,
1: and welcome to part two of Sun Garden's ETF podcast, where we dive a little bit deeper into the ETF universe and how we use them in our investment strategy. So you, you started talking about something that I think is worth getting into a little bit more detail on, and that is um, the fact that we have our list, the Sun Garden One Hundred, if you will, mm-hmm. of ETFs that that we follow, and it, and it's almost like our, it, it's our available ingredients to build portfolios.
2: Yes, um, and I, and I will
1: quickly good. I will quickly point out uh,
2: for. Uh, because it'll make our compliance uh, folks uh, feel much better. It is a watch list. It is not a portfolio that we manage. It is it is a list of 100 ETFs from which the vast majority of the ETFs we use are chosen from because we cover so many different areas.
1: Thank you. Disclosure yep. over. Thank you. They'll be very happy about that, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there's it, it can sound daunting, right? Like we talked about earlier, there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of different ETFs out there. So what, what we've done is we and Rob, as our chief investment strategist, has done a fantastic job with this. So you know, kudos to you, Rob, and the rest of the team. Uh, but it's it once these ETFs are scrubbed and and put into our list of the Sun Garden 100 it becomes much easier to manage and track and follow. And while we may build a portfolio that, that only none none of our portfolios hold a hundred ETFs. I mean, not even close, but at least we've narrowed it down so that it's a manageable list of, of which to choose from to build a portfolio of, you know, whether whether it's seven or 10 or however many ETFs that we want to put in the portfolio. So I would encourage folks to, you know, it, folks that are out there doing their own thing or, or even advisors that are listening into this podcast, hopefully they're not uh, from a brokerage firm because they probably stopped listening. Or
2: they're from a brokerage firm that's saying, you know, maybe if I were collaborating with SunGarden, you know, it's always looking for, Advisors uh, with a good heart and a good approach to business uh, and forward thinking approach to uh, join the team. So we certainly certainly are. And we we are not above shameless plugging either. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) <laughs> by the way, while, while we're on that, Vince, uh, because I know, you know we record these things and they end up uh, getting actually p- published so people can listen to them on a lag. I don't I don't remember offhand what the lag is at least a couple yeah, weeks. A of weeks. Uh, OK, yep. Yeah. So uh, there's a very good chance that by the time this one is uh, that by the time you're listening to this. Uh, you will be able to get your very own copy of the updated, all new for 2019, Sun Garden Investing Handbook, where we basically take you through how we manage money. And of course, ETFs have a more prominent role than the edition we had out several years ago, because as time has gone on, there's been so much risk Uh, in individual stocks, not that we don't love using individual stocks, but if your time horizon is extremely short, you know, with individual stocks, you have to trade them or you have to invest in them. And I think over time, uh, the typical investor evaluation horizon for their investments has shortened a bit. There aren't too many Rip Van Winkles out there, if you will, you know, hey, here's my money wake me up in seven years and tell me how I did. And that's just because the world has changed. And, you know, so, uh, you know, individual stocks can play a role, but ETFs are helping to fill that role because there's just enough diversification in them and moves, particularly in the stock market, but even now in the bond market, sometimes they occur so swiftly that sometimes you want to own something and other times you want to rent it for a Few months as opposed to a few years. And so you know, we're investors that combine long term investing and tactical investing. I mean, that's really a, a core part of, of how we think. And so using uh, the, the different types of vehicles uh, certainly goes a long way toward uh, m- making that a more consistent process for the client.
1: Yeah, it sure does. And if folks want more color on how we do that, I think there's a podcast a few weeks ago where we talked about. Thinking in multiple time frames, so you can yes, get more sure. around that there. But th- this is great, Rob. Thank you. And so let's let's move on to to actually what what we think is so unique and, and different and and awesome about the way we build ETF portfolios and and help folks get their mind around that, so that they can um, you know, start start to get a picture in their mind. Sure, of what we do that. Right
2: Sure. For, for starters, I think we we keep it simple where it needs to be kept simple and we avoid oversimplification when uh, when oversimplification can get somebody in trouble. And I think uh, I, I had alluded to these before. Most you go to most firms and wow, the bigger the firm, the more they're promoting, like you almost don't hear the term ETF anymore without a hyphenated word in front of it. Do you know which hyphenated word I'm talking about? I don't low cost. Oh sure. Okay, so low cost ETFs. We use low cost ETFs to build our portfolio as well. Uh, that's fine, but is it lower cost or lowest cost? And and I, I th- we have discussed on this podcast many times that investment cost is. Highly misunderstood, and that's what happens when you have a decade-long bull market in stocks. Everybody just thinks that, well, I just buy the index, uh, anything that, that tracks the S&P 500 and can uh, do it for almost no out-of-pocket cost, uh, then you know that's the way to go. Well, that's a great strategy for a bull market that favors a narrow group of companies that are at the top of the S&P 500. Uh, it does not work in just about any other market environment. But right. that low cost mantra, and you know, recently uh, the death of uh, Jack Bogle, founder of Vanguard, who was a real industry pioneer, and I mean, I think should be an idol to any of us that are in the business. Uh, he also liked active management too, by the way. He wasn't just an index guy, even though he invented the index fund. So, yeah, you know, when we construct portfolios, I think we first have to separate ourselves from the pack by by helping folks understand that in. in ETFs are not the same thing as saying, "Let me buy some S and P, let me buy some small cap, let me buy some growth and in value international stocks, let me buy some U.S. and global bonds." And now I'm done. Leave it alone. That goes back to the Rip Van Winkle idea. And and uh, you know, at each step in the process, we have to look at it and say, "Well, do you want to own the index? Because if so, you get all the ups and all the downs. Or do you want to tilt?" maneuver, uh, as part of your long-term strategy and as part of your tactical strategy. And particularly this comes in because again, we are a research firm and a lot of our research is in the equity markets. So when we look at an ETF and it's, I mean, even if it's, you know, the broad markets, the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ, we research the companies underneath. So we know what's in them and we understand What we're looking for. So to me, the way we use ETFs, at least on the equity side, is to say, well, we could buy most of the stocks in this portfolio, but we couldn't do it as efficiently as buying it as a basket. And again, in the street.com column that comes out at the beginning of every month, we break those down, and uh, I think I'd mentioned there's 10 segments, so we do think in terms of segments, but they're not the same segments as other folks. For instance, we look at sectors and industries within the U.S. stock market, different than how a lot of folks do it.
1: Yeah, I think it's super interesting, Rob. So I'm, I'm looking at at this uh, the, the latest um uh, investment climate report that we published uh, when was it at the end of January? Yep. Under the industry ETFs. And as I look here, there's, there's some really interesting sectors here that, that we've invested in, in the past. And of course, you know, what, we don't, we don't want to talk details about what we're invested in or how we're invested. We can't do that. So anything that we do talk about, please just, just take it as it's, it's just, we're just having a discussion here about about different ways to get exposure to different industries, but I just it just
2: like- it does help people understand how much the market can be sliced yeah. into segments uh, that can be used. So you have just a little bit of diversification compared to owning this stock or that stock, sure. and 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 you can
1: construct portfolios in this way. Yep. And, and so I'm going to pick on one again, just just for discussion purposes. So there's a there's an ETF we follow that's a cybersecurity ETF. Mm-hmm. And it, obviously, super important industry, a lot of really important players in that industry. But but I would imagine and I'm not a cybersecurity expert, but I would imagine that that it's it's very cutthroat. It must be just, you know, an arms race to try to keep up with what's next what are hackers doing how do we you know how do we beat them and and make sure we keep everybody safe so i'm sure there's companies in there that it's it's either feast or famine right if you if you have an, uh, an awesome technology next year it might it might not be so great someone else might come out with something better so by buying a basket of them dot 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 yeah you know i mean it's like to try to even for, for guys like us who at our core, right, we're, we're stock guys, we're, we're research, we, we're, we're happy to, to get everybody together, roll up our sleeves, dig in and do the research on individual companies. But even if we did that, and I don't know how many are in this particular ETF, but even if we were to, let's say there's 50 of them in there, even if we were to go ahead and do that and try to figure out which one would be the one we'd want to invest in, I, I'd much rather buy the index to get that type of exposure.
2: Yes. And the other reason is it's the way the markets work. Uh, These days, the industry or sector that you're in has a lot to do with how your stock moves. So let's say it's, I don't know, a, a drug company. Well, sometimes there's news specific to the company, but most of the time, because so many people have money in the same index funds and things like that, that they all get affected the same way. So to an extent, I think what we're saying with something like a a cybersecurity industry is we want to own the future growth potential of the industry. Picking the winners and losers is something that we can certainly do in a very long-term, very volatility-insensitive portfolio for an investor, but it takes, I think, a little bit more uh, cojones, as they say, uh, in order for somebody to uh, to be able to do that. Whether it's in this or whether it's in just you know, I mean, look, when when you and I got together, uh, one of the things we agreed on philosophically was you're much better off owning you know 25 to 35 40 stocks uh, than you are owning uh, 1700 and uh, so okay. it, you know but uh, but but you can't you have to have the stomach for it and again that's why etfs allow for equity exposure tactical movements alongside long term uh, investments And uh, that's why we think that there's a lot more uh, attention coming to them. And it's also why we were delighted to be able to be, I guess, one of the uh, hopefully uh, influential voices in the future when it comes to ETFs through this podcast uh, a bit uh, through uh, the writing that we do and uh, just through our general thought
1: leadership in the industry. Yeah, it is exciting and fun. So, what else do you think would be interesting to point out to folks, Rob? I mean, I'm looking kind of down the list here of some of our thematic equity mm-hmm. ETFs that we follow. And there's there's one uh, that's near and dear to my heart. And I think it is to yours as well. And again, a, an interesting way to be able to get exposure to companies that have a wide moat. And mm-hmm. I know that's, that's a big... Warren Buffett thing and and Benjamin Graham thing, We're looking for companies that that have. So I think it's it's cool the way they slice and dice those companies in this particular ETF. But what does that mean for our listeners? Wide mode sounds interesting. Like
2: sure, sure, yeah. You picture a castle, right? Yeah. So if there's a mode around a castle, that means that it's very difficult to get at the castle, right? You can't attack the king and the queen. Mm-hmm. So uh, a moat in a business is the, and look, I think a moat is in the eye of the beholder, right? Uh, you may think a company has a moat, and I might argue with you that maybe they don't have as, as, as wide a moat as you think. But a wide moat typically means that uh, a a company's business can fend off competition for a long, long period of time, decades, because mm-hmm. they, they have some type of Advantage, intellectual advantage. Uh, otherwise, uh, it popularity. could be as simple. Yeah, it could be as simple as uh, it's hard to switch from them to a competitor. Uh, you know, things, things, things like that. So we have uh, the best network in the in the universe. Stay with us. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So yeah, I mean, uh, there 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 are so many different themes, and, and this is an area again though where I think you know Wall Street starts with a really good idea. There's another term bandied about out there these days called smart beta. Uh, mm. I, 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 I and like I said before, I'll use this expression again. I think smart may be in the eyes of the beholder, yeah, because it just means that you're tilting the portfolio to say, well, I'm looking for the stocks with more volatility because I think they'll perform better, or higher quality, or uh, you know, doesn't have this sector or industry in it, that type of thing. It, you know, those are good to have available, but. You also have to be sensitive to what the market is valuing. And that's where it comes back to investment strategy and portfolio management and knowing the companies that you're investing in well enough to make a judgment as to whether you should be using that ETF or not. Yeah, good point. So I'd like
1: to touch on that for a second too, Rob, because I think it's important for folks to, to realize that if you can get that macro part right, then a lot of these things fall into place. Again, the beauty part about having all these different tools available is that if you if you get the macro right, you know w- what you'd like to be invested in from a sector standpoint or, or you know, um, a, a diversification standpoint and what you don't want to be invested in. Then it becomes very, very easy to just go ahead and plug in these different pieces and build a portfolio. So, you know what I? You know what I haven't done, by the way,
2: and I and I, I know we're running out of time, so I, I have to get one in. Sports yeah, analogy. I know you better get it
1: done. Just do it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as we're taping this, we're just a few days removed from the New England Patriots winning the Super Bowl again, and mm-hmm. I look at it this way: okay, the Patriots have a reputation uh, other than having, you know perhaps the best quarterback of all time and maybe the best tight end of all time. And sorry if I'm boring the uh, non-football fans on this, but uh, what the Patriots have more than anybody else is they have strategy. They have a strategy. And the, and the way you know that the strategy works is because they can plug in players that are just simply bright and talented at a lot of positions. And it doesn't matter who it is. They can still win Super Bowls. Yeah. And, and I think investing
1: works the same way. Absolutely, Rob. That's a great point. That's a great point, and that's why it's so important to, you know, to have that part of the process dialed in—the strategy part, right? Because that's that's the part you need to get right. The rest, the rest of the stuff—I mean, it, uh, that the tactical work and all the things that we do around the edges—of course, it's important. But but it, as you as a strategist, it, it, I think you know add so much value to the overall process in deciding where we want to be, what sectors we want to be in and which ones we want to stay away from at any given time. So I think that's another important distinction as to how we do it is, you know, instead of just p- pulling up a, an Ibbotson chart or, or a Morningstar pie chart and saying, OK, we, you know, we want to be diversified. So we're going to have money in these 20 sectors because Morningstar says we should. You know, we, we, we certainly don't buy into that philosophy. And, and make it, uh, and so this, the ETF world makes it very easy for us to pick and choose exactly where we want to be. And I think what you just said, Vince,
2: is that a lot of the investment world, they simply outsource the investment thinking. And that is not what we do. We may use ETFs. So, so if you compare it to somebody that's just putting money in you know, low cost index funds. Yeah, they're outsourcing the investment decision making. We are still a research investment management wealth management firm. So there is a heavy research component here. And that's one of the things that has uh, attracted and and I think uh, kept people with us over the years uh, because they know there's that research backbone and we're not just farming it out somewhere because that's what matters when markets aren't friendly. Yeah, big time,
1: big time, and we and we saw that in in, in the fourth quarter of last year. Mm-hmm. You know, we we were we were talking with folks all year long about how we we were more conservative than usual in our portfolios, and then the fourth quarter hit, and everybody was happy that we that we were, and and I think some of the ETFs that we owned, Rob, really really helped us do well during that period. That and- was- and and the fact that
2: we're able to use them tactically as well as or alongside our longer term positions, yep. it's the combination of the two that's uh, that's the key, the yin and yang, if you will.
1: Oh yeah, All Yeah. Right. So there's a few other things that I'll skip over here as far as different se- sectors or you know commodities or things that we track, but but I'll, what I think is also interesting, Rob, to touch on really quickly are some. Some of these shorter term, I guess, Treasury bond and and short term fixed income ETFs that we that we track and that we think there's some interesting value in these days, as opposed to some of these other more traditional fixed income spaces. Now, what did you what did you say a little while ago? You
2: said it's about a two week lag or so, two three week lag. So, the way the market's moved in the fourth quarter, hopefully, anything that we say now will still be valid by the time uh, this uh, hits the airwaves. But, but generally speaking, let's talk secularly here. Okay, so in the financial crisis about a decade ago, what happened to interest rates? Well, the Federal Reserve and other global central banks push rates down to zero or in some cases, and another story for another time, actually some rates went negative. People were willing to put their money in and say, I'll give you a hundred as long as I can get 99 and a half back. And another story for another day. Uh, so the, uh, what what has changed uh, at least what changed during the course of 2018 into 2019 is that shorter-term interest rates went up, and so for the first time in a decade, instead of your CD, your money market fund, your short-term Treasury ETF yielding next to zero, and it was just a place to you kind of put money and leave it there with no expectation of return, all of a sudden the yields are jumping into the high ones to low to mid twos, and for the first time, really, in about a decade, you know, we're not huge fans of bond investing from here forward for the next couple of decades uh, for a lot of reasons. But, uh, geez, when you see treasury yields creep up like that and you see a stock market that doesn't offer as much opportunity, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good way to store some value and, and get at least some modest appreciation. That is very different from saying, quote, unquote, all bonds look great. Because really, we've isolated Treasuries at this point from other than maybe a tactical move here and there. Uh, corporate bonds, high yield bonds, uh, not not a time to be getting adventurous because it leads to reaching for yield, like we talked about way back when with closed end funds, and it's dangerous.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, but it's it's really cool to be able to have something like that at your disposal. Where sure it is you know especially with the way we run money I mean sometimes we'll have a lot of cash in portfolios that we may plan on sitting on that cash for weeks or even months and it gives us a way to to be able to to you know very easily tuck it away somewhere make a few bucks much better than you get just sitting in a money market account for for that time so and then you know, being fully liquid and traded throughout the day, we can, we can get rid of it anytime we want and, and move on. So I think it's also a really great tactical tool to be able to have these in here. So no doubt. But I think we're getting short on time, Rob. So anything else you'd like to touch on before we wrap up? Uh, just that uh,
2: this is the first focused discussion on the impact of uh, ETFs on
1: SunGarden portfolios, uh, but I assure it's not the last. Agreed. Thank you so much. I had fun today, Rob. This was great. Good. I
2: thanks and thanks uh, to everybody for listening. Yeah. Thanks, everyone.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening to another Investing Evolution podcast. If you would, we'd love to have you share this podcast with your friends and colleagues if you found value. So you can just click on the link below and and share it with those folks. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about what we do, you can visit sungardeninvestment.com and check out our newly redesigned website. And of course, like Rob mentioned in the podcast, he writes a column for Forbes. You, you can see it there. We also write this uh, this whole ETF write-up on the street.com once a month. So I encourage you to check that out. And we'll be back here again in two weeks. See you then. Thank you. Thank
0: you for listening to the Investing Evolution podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.
3: Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz are investment advisor representatives with Dynamic Wealth Advisors, DBA Sun Garden Investment Research. All investment advisory services are offered through Dynamic Wealth Advisors. The material in this podcast has been distributed for informational purposes only. The material contained in this podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell any security or offer any investment advice. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any form or referred to in any other publication without expressed written permission. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz are also the sub-advisors of the Dunham Alternative Dividend Fund. Investors should consider the investment objectives, risk factors, charges, and expenses of the Dunham Alternative Dividend Fund carefully before investing. This and other important information is contained within the fund's prospectus, which may be obtained by contacting your financial advisor or by calling toll-free 800-442-4358. Please read Prospectus materials carefully before investing.